Recording has begun. Good evening. This is the January 16, 2024 regular meeting of the complaint committee of the sunshine ordinance task force of the city and county of San Francisco. The time is 534 PM. The sunshine ordinance task force and its committees can be convene in hybrid meetings that allow for either in person attendance or remote participation. Public comment will be taken on each item of the agenda. Meeting decorum. Any member of the Sunshine Ordinance Task Force may call for decorum due to the disorderly conduct of the disorderly conduct of meeting participants. Persons who engage in threatening and or menacing behavior may be asked to leave. Chair Schmidt, that completes my announcements. Okay, let's uh, go ahead. Let's go to number one. Let's go to number one. Thank you, Victor. Roll call. Member Stein. Here. Member Stein present. Chair Schmidt. Present. Chair Schmidt present. Um, Chair Schmidt, we have um, an announcement, a request for a change. On Thursday, January 11th at 4.57 p.m., we had a, um, we received an email from Mr. Zach Karnazis, item seven, um, requesting a continuance for the file um, at today's agenda. It is item seven. It just, just for the record, um, because I'm going to grant the request, uh, but did the, did the department respond? Was it, was there a consent? Um, my action was to forward the email to you for your, um, for your information. We did receive a request or, or a question from the department asking if it was going to be um, continued automatically. And the response was that uh, the decision would be made at tonight's meeting by the chair. Okay. Okay. So this is mayor's office on disability. Well, I'm going to grant uh, the continuance uh, for Mr. Carnese's. That's not for me. It's not an automatic, although in this situation, um i am not in i haven't received as part of the record any of the details of the request uh or if there has been any substantive response to the request and without that i i feel like i would lean toward granting uh said request Possibly, if if the substance were to be in front of me, maybe I'd make a different decision. But but because it's not, I'm going to grant. I think that may be the only agenda change. Noted that item seven is removed from the agenda. Um, can we have a motion to continue and public comment on the issue? Sure, that's fine. I will move. Uh, to continue the, the matter and let's say until the, our next meeting of this committee. And I'll second that. 
That is a motion to continue item seven to the February 20. 20. One moment, please. Uh, Tuesday, February 2024 meeting of the complaint committee. Public comment. Uh, you want to check that date? Is that that is the motion? Yeah, that's the motion. Thank you. Yes. Motion by Chair Smith, seconded by Member Stein. And are there is there public comment? We have someone at the podium. May I have your name, please? At this moment, I'd rather not give it. I'm sorry, could you repeat that? Anonymous. One moment, please. One moment, please. You'll have three minutes. And can you give me a 30 second warning? I can. Thank you. Uh, I'm having considerable. I'm sorry, one moment, please. Thank you for waiting. Are you ready? I'm ready. Your three minutes begins now. Thank you. Uh, I think everybody knows me who's in this room almost. Uh, I am having considerable difficulty understanding from where I'm sitting what is being said. Uh, I'm glad that Victor Young, who was sitting over there, gave the translation to the acting secretary, who is new to my visits, uh, and translated what I said, which was, I'd rather not say, and apparently she didn't understand it either, and he said, anonymous. So I'm wondering if other people are having trouble with understanding. There was also a problem with an echo, and it's kind of booms in the room, and even where I'm standing here. I wanted to say, and this is public comment on the motion to put off the hearing, correct? Thank you. That is correct. Thank you. Uh, I wasn't following it. Uh, if the only reason is that the respondent is not here, and if they agreed to an earlier hearing, I would ask you to postpone it just till perhaps later in the meeting, unless there's some reason not to. I understand that the complainant requested uh, something. Um, I'm only concerned that I've seen in other times and other places and other instances that complaints are, in my view, unnecessarily delayed to the detriment of the complainant just simply because a respondent is not present. And if that's the case, uh, I certainly think at the very least the complainant ought to have a chance to weigh in as to whether it's okay with the complainant uh, to put it off for a whole month, rather perhaps till later in the meeting. So I hope that you might clarify 
what you're doing and why you're doing it and whether the complainant is okay with that as well. And since, as I said, I had some difficulty following what was happening. Thank you. To, to give a quick clarification, uh, the complainant made a request uh, for a continuance based on a need for accommodation based on disability. And so that's the request that was that I uh, was a basis for my motion to continue it for the benefit of the complainant. Okay, any other commenters? Telephone commenters. If there's anyone on the telephone who would like to make public comment, you can press star three to raise your hand or otherwise use the application to raise your hand at this time. There are no hands raised. Yeah, again, um, let me clarify uh, for the other member present that what I received, and I think it was after the standard period whereby somebody can ask for a continuance, um, I received notice um, from our uh, task force personnel that Mr. Carnesis had made a request for an extension of time um, based on his uh, request for reasonable accommodations based on disability, and he asserted that his request had not been granted. That is all that was provided to me. I don't exactly know um, how the request itself was handled. Uh, that is just as a complaint committee chairman, I'm, I'm basically uh, acting on what is before me. Uh, it certainly is at least a curiosity to me how these types of requests are processed. I do know that this is not the first time that I've seen something like this. And so even though I'm somewhat uh, f flying um, sightless, I think I just need to act based on what I, what, the information available to me. Can I just ask like Victor maybe, um, when someone makes a request like that, do they, who do they make it to normally? Uh, they make it to our ADA coordinator, which would be Wilson Ng. Okay. So, and then they would get back to that person and arrange that. It doesn't come to us to decide. Uh, we would be involved in following up on that. Okay. And I believe, you know, certain accommodations, be it ADA or not, we will do the best we can to help somebody out. Okay. And I... Because there is certain criteria for ADA accommodations, and it's very strict. Okay, but this would not have been an email that would come straight. This request wouldn't have come straight to the task force, and then just this one came straight to the task force, and I believe uh, 
we forwarded a, a copy to our ADA coordinator, okay. but it was so close in time. There's really no time to okay. evaluate or accommodate. Okay, thank you. Yeah, and yes, it, I, I agree with with you that the standards are fairly strict for this type of context, the hearing such as this. Um, although there are some situations where someone would meet those standards, other situations where they would not. Um, again, that's not really something I generally would determine, but I'm concerned about what my obligations are if I'm presented with this kind of request because I take these types of things uh, seriously. And so that's sort of my thinking on how uh, these are done. Maybe we'll see another request where it's more timely and we'll see how the process goes on that. But that's something that uh, we'll just see how things go. Okay. Uh, Member Stein, how does that sound to you? Good. Okay, thank you. All right. Um, unless there's anything else on on number one, I believe that's the only agenda change. Uh, we can move on to number two. Are you going to delay the vote until later in the agenda? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Uh, Thank you, Mr. Young. Uh, yeah, we do need to to vote. On the on the continuance of item seven, Member Stein, aye. Member Stein, aye. Chair Schmidt, aye. Unanimous. Thank you. I believe uh, we still need to announce the name of our third member as absent. Thank you, Mr. Young. Um, for the record, member Sugarman is absent. He has been absent um, for the entire meeting from the beginning. Thank you, Mr. Young. Move on to item two. Yes, please. Item two is approval of the November 21, 2023 Complaint Committee meeting minutes. All right. Um, I myself have no uh, need to make any edits. Uh, Member Stein, uh, is there anything that you wish to uh, uh, speak to in yes. terms of the substance. Yes. Thank you. Um, two things. Um, I actually think the motions as they're written for items four and six are not correct. Um, and I actually went back and listened to the audio of the meeting because it didn't match what I had in my notes. Um, and my notes were correct. So item number four, uh, which currently says under action, you know, uh, recommendation with the, you know, to forward it to SOTF with the recommendation to find a violation of 6725. Um, that's not what the motion was. The motion was uh, just to forward it to SOTF for consideration. One moment, please. This is on page three of the minutes. 
So page three of the minutes under item four, we should really just strike most of the last three, three lines. And it should just say moved by member Stein, seconded by member Sugarman to find that the requested records are public. The SOTF has jurisdiction and refer the matter to the SOTF for consideration. Not with any kind of recommendation. So we moving after SOTF with the recommendation. Struck. Yeah, everything after SOTF would be struck. And you just say the, to the SOTF for consideration. Replacing recommendation with consideration. For it to period. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, correction. It's not with con consideration. It is for consideration. Correct. So refer the matter to the SOTF for consideration, period. Okay, repeating back. Moved by member Stein, comma, seconded by member Sugarman, comma, to find that the requested records are public, comma, the SOTF has jurisdiction, comma, and refer. Yeah, it shouldn't say referred. Should say refer. Moving past tense, refer the matter to the SOTF for consideration, period. Correct. Okay. All right. And then you. item six um, at the top of page five. Similarly, um, we just said to forward. Refer the matter. It should again say refer the matter, not referred to the SOTF for a consideration of a timeliness violation. One moment, please. We're speaking of file number 23081. 23081, correct. Okay. And on page five, where the motion starts? Yes. On the second line of the motion, it should say refer the matter, not referred the matter. Yes. To the SOTF. Yes. And then strike everything beyond that. <laughs> so refer the matter to the SOTF for consideration of a timeliness violation. One moment, please. Repeating the change. Action moved by member Stein, comma, seconded by member Sugarman, comma, to find that the requested records are public, comma, the SOTF has jurisdiction, comma, and refer, removing the past tense, refer the matter to the SOTF for consideration of a timeliness consideration. Period. No, of a timeliness violation. Violation. Corrected. And those are my only changes. Thank you. 
So I would make a motion to approve the minutes with those changes. Second. Motion to approve the minutes moved by member Stein, seconded by Chair Schmidt. If there are any members of the public who would like to make public comment at this time, you can approach the podium. If you're online with us, you can press star three on the telephone to raise your hand, or otherwise use the application to raise your hand to indicate you'd like to make public comment. There are no members in the queue on the telephone. Would you like to make public comment on this item? On the minutes. Chair Schmidt, we have one speaker. Okay, let's go ahead. Uh, yes, this is Peter Warfield, Executive Director of Library Users Association, Library Users 2004 at yahoo.com. We can also be reached at P.O. Box 170544, San Francisco, California, 94117-0544. And the post office does still have confidentiality restrictions, uh, which is to say it protects the confidentiality by law of mail, unlike most email. I am happy to see the care with which you appear. Excuse me. Go ahead. Keep going. Uh, I'm glad to see the care with which uh, the committee is reviewing the minutes. I think the minutes are extremely important. I also think that it's extremely important for there to be clarity with respect to what was decided. And while I wasn't at the meeting and I've only just heard the discussion, uh, I want to say that part of what's important is that I believe that members of the public file complaints, uh, and we have in the past, where we specified exactly what sections we felt were violated. And then it wasn't clear whether that, whether each one of those was considered. And in item number, uh, four, where there was a recommendation to go forward at the full task force. Um, I'm not sure whether that, and even the description of it, I believe it was a timeliness uh, violation to be considered. I'm not sure which of the requested violations that are in the agenda at 67.25 and 27 would be a timeliness violation, presumably maybe the immediate disclosure request, but what about 27? So I think it would be really useful if uh, there were specific reference to what the complainant has taken the trouble to come before you. Uh, and perhaps you can't do that this time or don't want to, but I think in certainly in future, it would be extremely valuable to specify if you have a characterization of a, of a violation or potential violation to give the section that that uh, refers seconds. to and not just uh, uh, give a characterization which doesn't match up with the statement of the complaint uh, in the first paragraph of the complaint. And pretty much the same, I would say, about the second clarification, but I do appreciate you're taking the trouble. And as I say, I think it's important to be very specific as much as possible. Thank you. 
Thank you. Looks like we have uh, someone else in the room. Thank you. Hi, uh, I'd like Kimo, to state your name for the record. Yeah, Kimo Craftsman. Um, uh, the one moment, please. Yeah. Okay, your three minutes begins now. I just wanted to mention that I was trying to log into the WebEx and the password for it. Uh, Secretary uh, Victor uh, doesn't seem to be working. Sunshine password doesn't seem to be working for the WebEx. Password's always the same. We do not change it. It's always Sunshine. That uh, do we have anyone uh, online uh, for public comment? We have no one online. Okay, thank you. Okay, public comment has uh, ended. Let's uh, have a vote. Member Stein, aye. Member Stein, aye. Chair Schmidt, aye. Chair Schmidt, aye. Sugarman absent. Member Sugarman is absent. It looks like the next item uh, may be general public comment. Are there members of the public who would like to um, offer public comment on matters that are not within the um, Committee that are within the committee's um, jurisdiction, but not on today's agenda. If you are online with us, you can raise your hand by pressing star three or otherwise use the application to raise your hand. Chair Schmidt, we have one member of the public and one per two individuals online so far. Okay, uh, let's let's um, hear from the the, the in person. Uh, commenter first. Thank you. Just let me know when to start. One moment, please. Your three minutes have begun. Uh, this is Peter Warfield, Executive Director of Library Users Association, Library Users 2004 at yahoo.com and P.O. Box 170544, San Francisco, California, 94117-0544. I say these things because the folks online or who listen in the future uh, are otherwise not able to get in touch with us, whereas they certainly can get in touch with uh, the city and the members and so on. That's pretty much public knowledge. Uh, and I think that's important, and that's one of the important aspects of an in-person meeting, and that is that people can confer with each other, get together with each other, and so on, and uh, as well as make their presentations. My public comment uh, for tonight is fairly straightforward. Library Users Association filed a complaint regarding the Library Commission's uh, well, the library administration's refusal to provide us with contact information of any kind for the 
Library Commission, claiming that this was a matter of them all using their personal or private email. We won, and I'm quite sure that it was a unanimous vote, that they had to turn over their email addresses. I think it's a First Amendment issue, the right to petition the government for redress of grievances, but also a public records issue. There was discussion within the commit, uh, the, the body, the task force, about a San Jose case in which a court ruled that emails, what communications that were carried on on so-called personal uh, media, like a uh, whatever the medium was, had to be turned over to the public in full. The library, having gotten a nine-to-nothing decision against its position, sent a letter. I see thirty seconds. Thank you. Uh, sent a letter essentially saying, tough newbies, we don't care what you say, we're not giving it to him. And I'd like to know what the procedure is for your follow-up, either at the complaint committee or the full task force or anywhere else when they flout your ruling, because it's not clear to me what's, what's the status. Thank you. All right, uh, the next commenter, please. We have a caller in the queue. Could you identify yourself first? Sullivan, tell me when to go. One moment, please. Mr. Sullivan, your three minutes will begin now. Following up. In focusing on whether a record request describes an identifiable record, ignore the context of the sentence it comes from. CPRA Article 4, Duty to Assist in Formulating a Request, 7922.6a. In order to assist the members of the public to of the public make a focused and effective request that reasonably describes an identifiable record for records, shall do all of the following to the extent reasonably reasonable under these circumstances. And I can't read it all. One, assist the members of the public to identify records and information that are responsive to the request or to the request or to the purpose of the request. If stated, reasonably identified is under the requirement for an, for an official to assist a public record request to be successful. Unfortunately, the Sunshine Ordinance. 67.21c or anywhere doesn't have as good of a language as assist to make a focused and effective request. I didn't submit a complaint against Ms. Ledger because what good would it do to get an OD when there were no records to be produced? And what happened would come out, out, out anyway. The more important point was what happened shouldn't have happened. In the end, uh, DeVoe case, complaint, you shouldn't be asking the attorney office for magic words for a requester to use to get records. There does not seem to be any dispute that the records are identifiable, which is the only requirement for a, re for a request. The question is, what exemption are they claiming? 
for withholding the records. They're claiming an exemption for records in their position, possession. They can then send the requester to an office that has the records, but can't claim the exemption. I believe as an attorney, the respondent from the city attorney's office must be honest with you. Just because the same records are somewhere else is not an exemption and does not remove the obligation for them to produce the records. Thank you for your time. Thank you. One more commenter. One more commenter. One moment, please. This is Mike. Hi, uh, this is Michael Petrellis calling in, and I'd like to make public comment in support of um, uh, 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 getting attention for um, both the complaint committee and the full Sunshine Ordinance Task Force in um, both the legacy media and on social media. I think that um, uh, it would greatly help open government in San Francisco if um, we had reporters, editors, citizen journalists, um, and activists um, paying attention to what's on the agenda at these meetings, um, writing up um, uh, information before the meetings happen, and then also reporting back to the community after the complaint committee or the full task force has met and keep people informed about the matters that are coming to the task force. Um, and I think that would um, greatly help hold public officials accountable. Um, that's what I have to say. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, I believe that uh, general public comment. We have one additional. Oh, you have another. Okay. One more on the telephone. Caller, would you like to identify yourself, please? Yes, my name is Caroline and I'm with the SFMTA. I'm here for an item that is later on in the agenda. And I'm just wondering if there's any um, thought to perhaps ensuring that um, the other party, the complainant is um, present. Uh, I'm asking because I was here last month for this meeting and I was online following the meeting for a good hour and a half before we realized that the complainant was not present. And I'm just wondering, I didn't want to stay online the entire meeting if it turns out he, uh, the complainant will not be present. And that's it, thank you. One moment, please. Um, just uh, in response to that question, is Mr. Kitna in the room for this matter? Is Mr. Kitna, oh, we have Mr. Kitna online with us. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I just uh, unmuted Mr. Kitna just as a as a courtesy. Um, Mr. Caroline, I'm sorry I wasn't able to attend last time, but uh, I am I am present and I um, uh, looks like our item is the last. So sorry that you have to wait, but I'll be here. Okay, thank you very much. Both parties for that item are online with us, and we will call that item when we get to it. Thank you very much. Thank you. So we move to item four. N number four, please. Item four is file number 23090, complaint filed by Lance Carnes against Public Works for allegedly violating administrative code, Sunshine Ordinance, sections 
by failing to provide responsive records in a timely and or complete manner. All right, uh, is Mr. Carnes here? Yes, we have Mr. Carnes present in, in the room. And uh, is there a representative for Public Works? We do have one. We're uh... um, a representative from, from Public Works. We have Mr. David Steinberg on the line. Great. Okay. Uh... Um, Mr. Steinberg, you are unmuted if you want to acknowledge your presence. Okay. Mr. Steinberg? Uh, Mr. Steinberg has muted himself. He is present. Okay. Is is there anyone in the audience who's here for that matter? Okay. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Uh, we have, I believe, five uh, complaint hearings that we're going to run through here to today. The general procedure is as follows. If you're a complainant, we'd like to hear you describe your case for up to three minutes. We've already reviewed the file that's in the file. Uh, that will be followed by up to three minutes from the respondents. At that time, uh, we will move to questioning where the, the members of the committee may have questions or may not have questions for the parties. Uh, then we will move to uh, determining what uh, we as a committee will do with your matter that in many cases would involve advancing the matter to a full task force hearing. That's how the procedure works in the written rules. Um, we look at issues such as um, jurisdictional issue, uh, does something involve public documents, uh, public hearings, or does it not? Uh, we may make recommendation. We uh, may make some kind of commentary when we send something on to the task force. That is how we're going to do things here today. Okay, so when we're ready, let's hear from Mr. Carnes. Yes, I sent in a uh, video. Did you review that? Do I need to go through? He asked for additional materials. I sent a uh, deck. Did did um, I? I'm not sure if I've seen a video. Does does anyone here recall receiving a video? Um, video was provided. It it is available in our files um, and available upon request. There was no link I, in the packet. I did not, and there was no link in the packet. That is correct. Okay, okay. Um, I, I'll say I'm not sure if I've encountered that before. Uh, something that would be in the record to consider um, that's in a video form. Have we ever? Have you ever seen that, Member Stein? Well, only where people will say in the packet that there's a video at this link. Okay. But, uh, 
I wasn't even made aware that there was a video anywhere. Uh, okay. Yeah. On the, on the attachments, I've actually, I, I've played that several times. I'm on my own just to check it. But, uh, so I'll just wing it and tell you what, what my problem is. That's fine. That's fine. Let's do that. Yeah. Okay. Let's start the clock. Uh, because that was a procedural question. Uh, yeah. When, whenever we're, uh, whenever Patricia's ready. Mr. Carnes, your three minutes begins now. Okay. Yeah, thank you for hearing my complaint tonight. Um, I was in a discussion online with uh, Public Works Department of Urban Forestry about the location of, of a couple of trees. And um, in order to determine what, what location these are in, I asked for photographs of the trees uh, through a public records request. And the the records were returned to me. I said, "This is, you know, I asked for a certain like tree one, two, three, four. So this is this is tree one, bingo." And unfortunately, I <clears throat> tree one was not tree one. It was labeled tree one, but <clears throat> the actual photograph was some other tree, and the same with all 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 of the requests. Um, so. Uh, I guess my complaint is that I, I wanted photographs of specific trees, and I gave the label of the tree, you know, label, you know, tree one. When I got the tree one back, it was a, a totally different tree. It was, it was not the one I requested. So, um, so I, I think the, uh, the the staff at uh, Public Works Department of Urban Forestry. Um, Sort of faked the photograph with um, a, a label that, that matched my request, but was had nothing to do with the actual tree I was interested in. So that that that's the basis of my complaint. If that makes sense, uh, it's uh, yeah. So there you go. I got a minute ten left. Can I can I bank that? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> We have no, no banking, okay. but uh, that's fine. I think we, we, we've seen the file, so I think we know what the case is about. Yeah. And so there's, that's fine. Thank you. Okay. Okay. Let's uh, hear next from, uh, now, uh, Mr. Steinberg's going to speak on this, I believe. Uh, is that okay? Uh, yeah, and, and so when Ms. Peterson's ready, let's go ahead with that. Um, Mr. Steinberg, you have been made a panelist. You may unmute or I can unmute you. He is unmuted already. Thank you can you. just start the clock. Mr. Steinberg, your three minutes begins now. Mr. Steinberg. Uh, Mr. Steinberg, I see your microphone is unmuted, but we don't hear anything at this time. Mr. Steinberg, are you there? So the name appears on the screen, I take it. It does, and he is unmuted. 
Shall I stop the clock? Yes, yeah, stop the clock until we can get a figure it out. Mr. Steinberg, I don't know if you can hear us at all. Can you hear me now? Can you hear yes, me now? Yes, I can. Yes, Mr. Steinberg, okay. you're there. I, I am. I'm sorry, my my computer was having issues, so I am calling you on my phone. <laughs> One moment, please. You're are you ready to to begin? Sure. Your three minutes begins now. Uh, thank you. Um, uh, good uh, evening, Chair Schmidt and Member Stein. Um, I'll be very quick. Um, uh, the request that came in from Mr. Carnes was for a number of three reports and photographs. Um, we, um, I contacted our Bureau of Urban Forestry. They uploaded the photos and reports that as they were labeled um, and they were released. So um, I, uh, I am not an urban forester, so when I re when I receive a photo that is labeled, you know, tree X, uh, I am assuming it is tree X and that's what was released. Um, however, Chris Buck, who is our urban forester, is uh, in the hearing room today. And if you looked at the uh, response that we gave, he, he provided um, several pages of explanation of how the trees are numbered, uh, different types of photographs, um, and he can more clearly explain that in fact, the tree that was labeled uh, uh, 13355 uh, uh, photo one was, in fact, that tree. Um, the, the, the trees that the photos we released were, were labeled uh, such that what we released to Mr. Carnes was what we had in our database. Um, so there we go. Thank you. And I'm happy to answer. But as I said, Mr. Buck can can give a much better explanation of the numbering system and, and can tell you the, the, the species, you know, and the, the first and the last name of each tree. So that should make it easier. Okay. And since we do have Mr. Buck here, let's ask if he could come to the podium and uh, tell us what you think is going on here. I, I This sense that I get is that there's a either a misidentification or there's just some kind of confusion, but um, maybe you've got some insight for us. Uh, thank you. Good evening, Commission. My name is Chris Buck, urban forester with the Bureau of Urban Forestry with San Francisco Public Works. Um, I do have a thumb drive. We could pull up images and photos, but I did include in our packet the list of trees and in looking at the records that were produced as part of the original request, I don't see any changes that have occurred to the images or the labels. You know, I've looked at the request that, where we upload the images in the portal. Mr. Steinberg then forwards to the uh, requester. I've also looked at our own photos in the tree database since that time. And I'm not seeing any changes or any of the foundation for the assertions from Mr. Carnes about changing things, mislabeling them. We have benefited from tree advocates across the city. Mr. Carnes several years ago brought to our attention that some trees on JS Boulevard uh, didn't have accurate latitude longitude 
and we had to correct that. We're not opposed to making corrections when uh, we make mistakes. We're human. We make mistakes. There can be misunderstandings. So when that occurs, we're happy to update the information. Accurate data is important to us. But in this particular case, I do believe uh, Mr. Carnes and I and or the Bureau are essentially at a, a bit of a stalemate regards to the tree sequencing numbers. Um, but again, we've, we've provided all the information we have. I've reviewed all the photos and what we're referring to is 1355 Laguna Street, tree number two, he believes is a different tree label. I do think we all agree on what the subject tree is physically on site. So one recommendation I would suggest is that um, this it's in and of itself is not the permit to remove this tree. This is a SOTF complaint. Um, I haven't found any basis to show that something was changed, mislabeled. Even then, if it, if it was, that was the information we had at the time it was submitted. But again, I'm not finding any changes. So at a certain point, what do we do? If the urban forester who testifies the Board of Appeals and in depositions and represents the city, if we're at an impasse as to what a tree is, we make assurances to the public that when the tree crew goes to remove that tree, that it doesn't remove the wrong tree. How do we do that? With a physical photo of the subject tree, we can all agree is the subject tree. This is subject to a hearing tomorrow evening at Board of Appeals, um, where I believe this topic will continue. But I, from my perspective, I've found no evidence to suggest that labels were changed, and I think we're just in disagreement about our, our tree numbering. Thank you. Let me just uh, ask you a couple of quick questions. The, the tree that is the basis for the complaint before us, uh, does the department have any photos of that tree that were not produced here? Uh, no, and not as part of the, for the complaint, no. The, rec the photos of the tree that we had at that time were produced uh, during that request. Okay, uh, thank you. Actually, that's um, that's really what the extent of what we're concerned about here is if if a photo doesn't exist, it doesn't exist, but you can't produce something that doesn't exist. Okay, if you could stay uh, uh, available to us, um, I don't know if I have any other questions at this point. Member Stein, questions for the uh, party as a witness? I don't think so. All right. Uh, a question for Mr. Carnes. Do you have any reason to believe that uh, any photos of the tree exist that were withheld in the production process? Or is, is your concern really that the photos you got are of the wrong tree and uh, 
they 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 should have had a different picture of that tree but this one is just the wrong tree could you could you explain sure i'd be happy to yeah, yeah. the um <clears throat> the, the tree that i was just interested in i i, made, I re requested under a public records request and uh when i got the thing back when i got the uh material back uh, I got a picture of a tree with the, the, the tree number that I designated, but it wasn't it wasn't the right tree. It was a picture of a tree, but not the one that I knew was at that point. And there's a specific, specific specific way of identifying trees. They give a street address and a number, and so the, I, the, the thing I requested was a street address and a number. What I got back was labeled street address number, but the picture was not the same tree. Sort of like if I asked, you know, for a picture of a cow and they sent me back a picture of a horse labeled C-O-W, I mean, you know, I, I'm fooled, not not at all fooled, but it, it, it doesn't move anything forward. Mm -hmm. so. Okay. All right. Thank you. Okay. Okay, I, I don't know if we have any more questions on this one, so we'll decide uh, if we're going to send this for a full uh, task force hearing. Any thoughts, Member Stein? Um, I guess, you know, I find it very hard from this file to understand, like, what tree is what tree, you know what I mean? Um, and I guess for me, the question is, uh, you know, is the mislabeling of trees a violation of sunshine ordinance, even if all the records are produced? And I'm, I'm, you know, <laughs> I, I don't really know the answer to that. So, I mean, I'm assuming all the records were produced and maybe a record was mislabeled or maybe it wasn't. It's very hard to tell from the documentation that's here. Um, so, I mean, either we can say, you know, we can forward it to the SOTF or we can say that, you know, if records are provided, even if they're not correctly labeled, they're, they're provided and therefore there wouldn't be a violation. Okay. Yeah. I, I generally, I see it pretty much that way. Um, it's an interesting idea that you just, introduced of whether a mislabeling would be a violation of sunshine um it doesn't it doesn't it i don't know if that one would occur to me but it's worth uh, thinking about. yes i believe there's a section of the code that uh, requires uh, proper record keeping good uh, point so would be more applicable in this case than than pr production Good point. Good point. Thank you, Victor. Huh. Well, we we certainly could consider uh, something like that. Although then you've got an evidentiary question because there's a dispute as to whether one tree is the right tree or not the right tree. But that's something we can't we can't make any final decisions here, and so basically. We would pass this on, uh, and I, I, I think I'm sort of leaning in that direction that 
whether it would be a violation to have a, a mislabeling of a tree photo um, and whether there was a mislabeling of a tree photo, those would be the questions that would be before uh, the full task force. So um, I'll make a motion that we we find yes, this this is public. These are public documents. Um, there is a generally the way we've looked at jurisdiction. I think there's no question we'd have jurisdiction here. Um, and we would, in my motion includes that we would send this on uh, to the task force to determine if there's any any violation either of the measures that were brought up by the complainant or of the record keeping requirements that Mr. Young had just mentioned. Um, that's, I guess that I, that's the extent of my motion. Then I want to just make one clarification after I make make the motion. May I have a restatement of the motion, please? I believe it is to uh, move that the task force has jurisdiction. Uh, the records are public, and to refer the matter to the Sunshine Ordinance Task Force for hearing. Including also considering whether there is a record keeping violation. Motion to move that the task force has jurisdiction, comma, that the records are public and refer the matter to the SOTF for hearing, including consideration of whether there is a record keeping violation period. We will look up the file, uh, the code section and and reference that uh, in the minutes. Thank you. Is there a second? I'll second it. Moved by Chair Schmidt, Schmidt seconded by Member Stein. One moment, please. Taking the vote, please. Member Stein. Uh, not yet. Oh. Public comment. This is a Are call for public comment. Are there any members of the public or members um, in our telephone community who would like to speak? If you're on the telephone, you can press star three to raise your hand, or if you're on the application, otherwise raise your hand uh, to indicate you'd like to make public comment. Chair Schmidt, we have one member of the public. Yes, uh, whenever, whenever uh, you're ready with the timer. Are you ready? Yes. One moment, please. Your three minutes begins now. This is Peter Warfield, Executive Director of Library Users Association, Library Users 2004 at yahoo.com and PO Box 170544, San Francisco, California 94117-0544. We're not a party to this complaint uh, and we're not familiar other than what has gone uh, in the discussion. Um, 
First of all, I appreciate the additional uh, issue that was raised here that was apparently not mentioned in the complaint, which is proper record keeping. I do think that it ought to be settled what the code is here. I don't think that that's too difficult. And I also think it would be useful to be very explicit about going forward on the complaint as it cites the section 67.21 and the section that has to do with proper record keeping. One of the things that I'm no longer able to keep up with is the endless variations and back and forthings of what the complaint committee's role is in basically uh, trying to clarify what the issues are and what the facts are and so on. So when I heard this discussion, it's not clear to me at all whether the requester has a specific tree in mind at a particular location, because it isn't just a matter of whether a cow was labeled a horse or vice versa. It's also a question of whether he got the information that he wanted, whether or not it was labeled correctly. So um, if somebody asked you for their for your minutes of this meeting and spelled it M-I-N-N-I-T-S, I don't think it would be appropriate for you to say, we have no document M-I-N-N-I-T-S. If in fact, you can understand fairly well that the minutes M-I-N-U-T-E-S is what's wanted. So it's not clear to me at all whether uh, the complainant had a specific tree in a specific location in mind, or whether he was just looking for any record that has that name upon it. And I think that's important. That is part of the identity of a tree. A tree isn't just sitting around abstractly in a file. It's in a specific location, and it sounded First like he had pictures. Uh, so I think that would be useful to understand. It would also be useful to understand whether there was something being withheld or whether there was an intention to withhold and so on and so forth. Uh, so I think that would be something useful that you might try and understand with respect to the complaint and what the problem was as the complainant sees it and as they have a response for it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I think we're ready for a vote. There are no callers in the queue. Taking a vote. Member Stein. Aye. Member Stein, aye. Chair Schmidt. Aye. Chair Schmidt, aye. Member Sugarman, absent. The motion passes. Um, we'll, we'll move on to the next number. Um, I had. I had said that there, there's a jurisdiction uh, question that is sort of a new question for me that I will be bringing up uh, both with the task force and the uh, city attorney's office based on the language of um, 67.21E. I will explain, I, I'm not gonna do it during each case today, uh, but it will probably be something that's gonna come up fairly soon. My concern is that 
there's a there's a reading that may be the actual law in California that we may as a task force have lost jurisdiction um to make a determination or order when the statutory 45 day period passed now that's somewhat of a new issue but i will explain it um when we get to number 10 here today to the the task to the to the committee with that being said i will um let's let's move on to the next item one moment please Moving to item five, item five, file number 23061, complaint filed by Nora Mashanik. I apologize if that is a mispronunciation. Nora Mashanik against the police department for allegedly violating administrative code sunshine ordinance section 67.21 sub B as in boy by failing to respond to a public records request in a timely and or complete manner. Okay, do we have uh, Nora Mashanik here? Either uh, online or here in the courtroom, the hearing room. If you are online with us, you can press star three to raise your hand or otherwise use the application to raise your hand to indicate uh, you are a party to this matter. We do have a representative from the police department. Can you make him a, a presenter, please? Okay, we have two callers who are not identified. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and unmute them one at a time just to see if they are our speaker. Hi, caller, you've just been an unmute. I wonder which item you're here for. Thank you very much. Hey, caller, I've just unmuted you. Uh, if you don't mind identifying which item you're here to speak on. This is Michael Petrellis. You just unmuted me. Ah, uh, yes, and we're trying to find our speaker, and I can't tell by the your login who you are. Oh, but thank you okay. very much for identifying yourself. All right, thank you, Victor. It looks like uh, Nora Mashanik is not here for the matter. Um, with the proviso that if that person does does well, actually, I I don't want to re reconsider this later if the police department were to then not be here later in the hearing. So I'm I'm inclined to um table the matter to to is it what do we call it dismiss since the complainant does not appear to be pursuing the matter. Uh yeah so we, we should uh Table close the matter. Close. Uh, indicate uh, we will contact them, and they will have the opportunity to indicate if they'd like to uh, keep it open, and it was uh, a mistake or not. We will 
communicate to them via email and inquire. However, the matter is closed unless the complainant requests that they remain open in a timely manner. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to, uh, to move to have the matter closed in, in, the, in that fashion, according to that rule. I'll second that. One moment, please. Are there any members of the public who would like to provide public comment on this motion? If you're on the phone, you can raise your hand by using by pressing star three um, or use the application to raise your hand. I do not see indication. Uh, let me double check. We have one hand raised. Uh, that's uh, Mr. Petrellis. I will. Uh, you can unmute him and take his comment. Mr. Petrellis, you have been unmuted. Hi, uh, this is Michael Petrellis calling in. I'm greatly disappointed that the Chronicle reporter um, is not on this call and that um, she apparently is not pursuing this matter. Um, I um, um, promoted today's meeting uh, because this item was on the agenda and I thought it would be of great interest to people to know that the um, San Francisco Chronicle, um, one of its reporters has filed this complaint because of difficulty getting public records from uh, the San Francisco Police Department. Um, so I just want to express my disappointment that the Chronicle and this reporter um, have not shown up to this call, apparently are dropping the matter, and that's really a shame because I believe that um, uh, the, the, the matter should have been um, considered by the full Sunshine Ordinance Task Force. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, let's uh, let's have a vote. One moment, please. Mr. Petrellos, I am muting you and lowering your hand. Moving to a vote. Member Stein. Aye. Member Stein, aye. Chair Schmidt. Aye. Chair Schmidt, aye. Member Sugarman, absent. The motion moves. Passes. So when you're ready, we'll move on to number six. Item number six is file number 23067. Complaint filed by Chemo Crossman against the Office of the Chief Medical Examiner for allegedly violating Administrative Code, Sunshine Ordinance, Section 67.21, by failing to provide public records in a timely manner, in a timely and or complete manner, Section 67.28, by failing to make public records available for inspection and copying, California Public Records Act, CPRA, 6253 sub A as an apple by failing to by failing to allow public records to be available for inspection and CPRA 62531 sub A as an apple by failing to allow access to an electronic public record. All right, I believe that uh, Kimo Crossman may be here in in the room. Is that correct? 
Yes. Okay. So you be up first. Uh, go ahead and you can come on up to the microphone. Is there a representative from the office of the chief medical examiner? If you are a representative from the office of the chief medical examiner, would you raise your hand, please? By pressing star three. We have no one raising their hand, Sheriff. Okay. okay, so what we'll do if if a person does appear on their behalf while we're hearing the matter, uh, they will speak after uh, uh, Kimo Crossman. Uh, but if they do not appear, we will consider the matter and we will consider the non-appearance. So. Uh, let's hear up to three minutes about the case from Chemo Crossman. Are you ready to begin? Your three minutes begins now. Hi, SOTF uh, Complaint Committee. Uh, my name is Chemo Crossman. Uh, my neighbor um, died, uh, and it turns out that the medical examiner did a uh, death uh forensics on it and it turned and i wanted to find out why he died so i sent them a message and said i'd like to get a copy of the uncertified death certificate the electronic copy of the document they have um and they said you can only have the certified version and it costs 49 dollars and i said i don't agree with that you should be able to send me the electronic version that's uncertified free um, and they would not do it. I, so I pay, and then I said, well, then can I come into your office and make, take a picture of the, of the, cause I just want to know why my neighbor died, which by the way, was fentanyl overdose. But, um, and um, they're like, no, our offices aren't allowed open to the public. Um, so they were very unhelpful. So I said, okay, well, I'll pay the fee um, under dispute and I'll probably file a complaint and that's what I'm doing. Then I also put an appeal to the supervisor of records and um, they conspired with the, uh, the department to, um, uh, you know, they refused to give a determination uh, by the supervisor of records that the records were um, public records, and they just told the department to refund my fee and um, to do a one-time non-precedent-setting non, non, uh, um, uh, delivery of the records because uh, they didn't want it. Basically, they're, they're using the fee. Um, they're saying, we only issue certified records. We won't issue the electronic record that's already in our file that's not certified because we want to get the fee. So it's all about getting fees. They won't let me come to the office, take a picture. They wouldn't forward a copy of the record to the clerk's office. Let me go there to see it. Um, so uh, seconds. anyway, my issue is that uh, they're just not providing records for free when they should be. They're using this they will say, oh, we only issue a certified version of the record and you have to pay a fee for it. 
and the city attorney is unfortunately supporting them in that effort. All right, thank you. Okay, at this time, do we have anyone uh, available on behalf of the office of the chief medical examiner? There was there is no one in the phone queue. All right, so we may have uh, questions from the members. Uh, Member Stein. Um, I'm just wondering um, for Mr. Crossman, uh, the respondents suggested in their response that it would have been okay for you to come and visually look at the record, but not photograph it or whatever. Would that have been satisfactory to you or would that not have been satisfactory to you? Um, they didn't actually seem to actually offer it, but they said in retrospect that would have been okay, but that wasn't what you were asking for. But I'm wondering if that that would have been like satisfied your need to have access to that record. Uh, at the time, I said I'd like to come in and take a picture, and they said, "No, you can't. It's not open to the public." Right. Um, if they would have offered an alternative way, like forward a copy to the clerk's office and I could come there and take a look at it, or I could admit them in their their parking lot, or their, there's gotta be a lobby for all these offices, that would have been sufficient. But um, the only way they would re release the record was if I paid the fee, and the only time that they looked to then, you know, the only times they, they reverted is when I put in an appeal to the supervisor records. No, my question is, would it would it have sufficed for you to just have visual access yes. to the record to be able to see it, but not to? That's. I just wanted to know it. why my neighbor died. Okay. All right. Thank you. Okay. Um, looks pretty straightforward to me. Uh, although, I, I don't. This is a this is different. This is a different kind of case, and I don't know uh, exactly what the answer should be. Obviously, they the the medical examiner discusses reasons why they want to limit disclosure, and it seems like they do have reasons. Um. I think the question about whether viewing the document without actually taking a copy seems important. Uh, it, whether it's just a hypothetical question or not, because that's at least one way to get the facts that are contained in the document. I I don't think I have any other questions, and I, I'm not sure if I'd have questions for the medical examiner. I don't know how I would rule on this. Um, I think that this is definitely seems like it may be for the full task force. Um, Member Stein. Um, yeah, I would tend to agree with that. Um, I'm very empathetic to your arguments that there should be access to these documents. Um, and I feel like, you know, I asked that question because I feel like at the least, even if you can't get a copy of these documents, there should be access to it. 
And they kind of seemed to say that that would be okay, but they didn't say it to you. I recognize that um, in the file that I read that, you know, you asked for something, they said, no, they didn't say, oh, but you can come see it if you want this information. Um, and, you know, I also kept thinking about, you know, report cards, for instance, <laughs> that you can get like the unofficial copies from uh, SFUSD, or you can get the official copy and everybody knows what the official copy is and you can't really, you know, if you were applying to college, you show the official copy, but I also kind of understand their argument that this is information is a bit more sensitive than that in some ways. Um, but I, I do feel there needs to be some kind of access and it wasn't offered here. So I, I do also think it's a question for the larger task force. Um, you know, and it, it might be a question of what that access looks like, but certainly on its face, it seems like there's, you know, there has to be access to these documents in a way that people don't have to pay $50 for them. So, so I guess I would make a motion that these are public records under our jurisdiction and that we should forward it to the, this case to the SOTF to consider whether there are any of the alleged violations. Okay. And I'll, I'll second that. Uh, just, I wonder if we should add something in about the non-appearance. I thought about that. Um, and what I'm not sure about with 6721E is that, you know, is this technically the hearing of the SOTF? <laughs> um, do they have to send a respondent here or do they just have to send it to the full SOTF is my question. That's that's a good question. Maybe we'll leave that for later. But certainly that's in my notes that 6721E, yeah. whether we're going to have a representative who's knowledgeable come and, and give, you know, their defense is important. Okay, uh, second. So the motion is that the SOTF has jurisdiction and to forward the matter to the SOTF for alleged violations, investigation of alleged violations, review. Well, the public, these are public records under our jurisdiction. I don't think I heard the under our jurisdiction part. And then forward to the SOTF to consider whether um, there are any of the alleged violations. You know, if you want to be even more specific, the violations were alleged were 6721.21 for timeliness and completeness and 67.28 failing to make records available for inspection or copying. But I think it's okay to say and for the alleged violations. Thank you. And a rep repeat, please. The motion was moved by. Moved by Stein. Seconded by Schmidt. Motion moved by member Stein, seconded by chair Schmidt. Taking the vote, please. Um, chair Schmidt. Uh, public comment. Public comment. Yeah. Thank you, Mr. Young. Do we have any um, speakers for public comment? We have a speaker and we have someone um, on the phone as well. Okay, let's uh, give, I'm gonna give um, a slight preference to someone who's here in the room. So let's start in the room. Are you ready to begin? Yeah. Your three minutes begins now. Thank you. This is Peter Warfield, Executive Director of Library Users Association. 
Library Users, 2004 at yahoo.com and P.O. Box 170544, San Francisco, California, 94117-0544. I certainly agree with uh, the motion. I think it's extremely important, and this touches on some very fundamental open government issues. Um, Section 67.28, fees for duplication. A, and I'm reading now from the Sunshine Ordinance, no fee shall be charged for making public records available for review. And I'll repeat it because it's extremely important and it has been violated over and over again over the years and even to this day. No fee shall be charged for making public records available for review. And that's exactly what Mr. Crossman requested. Now, we're not, in, uh, we're not a party to this, we're not particularly familiar with it, but the issue is vitally important to the whole basis of open government. Uh, another issue that seems to be at play here is once somebody files a complaint or makes an objection and so on and so forth, at some point where the agency will back off and say, oh, okay, I gave the document or I changed my mind, Therefore, don't go forward with a complaint. There's no violation. That's wrong, and I'm glad you are going forward with a violation. That's extremely important because if you let them get away with that, you're not supporting the public and certainly not the complainant who had to go to extraordinary lengths that they shouldn't have had to go through at all to get the material. And if Mr. Crossman hadn't been sufficiently knowledgeable and assertive about his rights, he would have been screwed to use a technical term and had to pay the whatever fee, $50, and so on and so forth. All of their back and forthing about uh, certified copies and so on, I think it's very clear. The Sunshine Ordinance and certainly the Public Records Act have extensive, extensive lists of what is exempt from disclosure. It's my 30-second warning, right? They have extensive lists, judges, home addresses, extensive lists going for pages, and they didn't cite anything, and I'm not familiar with anything, especially since the city attorney apparently said it's a public document. And the only difference is whether it's certified, as Member Stein mentioned, or has the official seal. This is an outrageous case of violation and should go forward as you've done. Thank you very much for what you've done. Thank you. I believe we have Mr. Petrellis on the line, unmuting. Hello, is this Mr. Petrellis? Yes, hello. Hello. Are you ready? Would you like to offer I public comment? Am. All right, your three um, minutes begins now. I'm calling in to support Timo Crossman with this complaint. Um, first of all, um, it says a lot to me that um, uh, the medical examiner's office couldn't be bothered to participate in the call. Um, they would not have to schlep to City Hall um, uh, to present their case. They could have dialed in. 
um, and um, uh, they haven't done that. Um, uh, second, um, Kim Crossman is a longtime uh, public records advocate, and I believe if he is um, filing a complaint, um, uh, it, it is because the um, good government, the, the government officials he's sent his complaint to are not complying with the law. So I ask you to vote um, in favor of Kimo's complaint. Thank you. All right, thank you. Uh, before we move on to the vote, I noticed someone just logged in. Uh, if you would like to make comment, uh, the new caller who logged in, you can press star three to raise your hand. Uh, we are currently on item number six. Okay, they have not raised their hand. I believe we can move on. Okay, let's have our vote. Chair Stein. Uh, um, Chair Schmidt. Aye. Chair Schmidt, aye. Member Stein. Aye. Member Stein, aye. Member Sugarman, absent. The motion passes. Item eight? Yes. Item 8, file number 23093, complaint filed by Michael Petrellis against the mayor's office for allegedly violating the administrative code, Sunshine Ordinance, section 67.29-5, by failing to respond to a public records request for Prop G calendar entries in a timely and or complete manner. Okay, uh, Mr. Petrellis is here uh, do we have someone here for the mayor's office? If you're online with us, you can press star three to raise your hand to indicate you're a party to this matter. I see no hands raised. I'm going to check on our uh, new uh, login caller just to see. Uh, if uh, they are associate, find out what they're here for. I called, just unmuted you. I'm wondering which item you're here for. Uh, yes, I'm here for Mr. Pertellis's matter. I'm actually coming into the hearing room. Okay. This is Hank Heckle from the mayor's office. I made a good guess. Thank you. Thanks. Uh, we have both parties unmuted. Okay. All right. So uh, first we'll hear from. Uh, Michael Petrellis, when when um, the timer is ready. Are you ready to begin? Yes, I am. Your three minutes begins now. Hi, uh, this is Michael Petrellis. Um, <clears throat> first of all, I want to say uh, this is not my first complaint um, against the mayor's office regarding her chief of staff. Um, calendar. <clears throat> Excuse me. This is not the first complaint regarding Sean Elkern's calendar. Um, I wish to point out that um, my submission for the calendar was made on October 13th, and it wasn't until um, January 11th 
that um, uh, the mayor's office provided me with um, all of the records requested. So um, taking a good um, more than two months, three months um, to get these records to me, I think is a clear violation. Um, uh, the mayor's office um, should not be trying to claim that um, Sean Elburn's calendar is so voluminous, it takes months for them to um, go over his calendar and redact personal information like phone numbers or what have you. Um, it is really wrong of the mayor to continue to play these terrible games of withholding L. Burns' calendar. Uh, then I have to file a complaint and take up the time of the Sunshine Ordinance Task Force when um, I fully expect the mayor at any time, but especially beginning in a a, um, an election year, um, that she would direct her staff to quickly and fully comply with Sunshine Laws regarding requests. In conclusion, the mayor's office has not complied with the Sunshine Law and it should not have taken all these months to get me uh, the Elburn calendar. Thank you. All right, thank you. And uh, next we will hear uh, from the mayor's office. Are you still on the line? I'm right here. Oh, I did a pardon me. Change of uh, you. change of means of communication. I had to step out, and then I came back. Anyway, uh, good evening, Chair Schmidt, uh, Member Stein, um, Clerk Peterson. Um, I'm Hank Heckle, Legal Compliance Officer with Mayor Breed's office. Uh, here to respond to Mr. Petralis's complaint. Um, so uh, we have provided all of the requested calendar entries from Mr. Petralis's calendar. Um, it is a, a quite a, a voluminous production um, because Mr. Petralis's calendar, I'm, I'm sorry, Mr. Ellsburn's calendar, we have provided all of Mr. Ellsburn's calendar entries um, for about uh, a period of, of uh, over four months that was requested by Mr. Petralis. Um, and there are uh, over 700 pages of material that includes um, details about all of Mr. Ellsburn's meetings. He's he's fairly busy, as you can imagine. So there's a lot of material there. Also, his his calendar includes sort of excerpts of briefing material. So it's not just, you know, it's not just like the attendees of the meeting, date, time, location, et cetera. So they're a little bit complicated. There is material in there that requires extensive review and redaction. There's um, call-in links and um, dial-in numbers and passcodes. There's personnel information relating to hiring decisions, relating to to, um, to other personnel matters, uh, decisions before the mayor. There's um, some privilege, uh, attorney-client privilege material in there relating to uh, meetings with the me members of the city attorney's office. So it's a, a pretty um, extensive and uh, unfortunately time-consuming process. Um, we, we responded on a rolling basis. So the, uh, request came in on October 13th. Um, uh, we provided the, uh, we took a 14 day extension. Um, and, uh, unfortunately it took a little bit longer than anticipated to get that 1st installment out. So we produced that on November 21st. Um, and we told, uh, Mr. Charles that uh, additional entries would be coming on a rolling basis. We continued to, um, process and review those entries. Um, 
and consult with uh, Mr. Ellsburn uh, as needed to to make any appropriate redactions of um, exempt material, some of which could does include personal material that just kind of gets included in the calendar as a matter of routine. So we, we started on November 21st with the first batch. We, we produced a second batch on December 21st, and then we produced the um, uh, third and final batch on January 11th. And so we completed the production. It was over 700 pages. It did take uh, a fair amount of time. If you review the um, the materials in the file, they're pretty extensive. There are a lot, you know, there's some redactions in there. I mean, most of the vast majority is disclosable, but but some of them were a little bit complicated. Um, there were some entries that required some analysis to make the determination on whether or not uh, to withhold them. And um, so we, you know, we also had some staffing difficulties. Uh, we had a member who uh, who was out sick who um, helps in administering Mr. Petralis's calendar, and you know the the holidays were, were in the intervening period as well. So. Anyway, it was a bit of a, a time consuming process, uh, admittedly, but we have satisfied the request and we are not withholding any records. And uh, I'm here for any questions you may have. Thank you. All right. Uh, questions, Member Stein. Uh, um, I'll defer to you for the moment. Sure. Uh, the, the really the. The single question I have, and I'm going to ask each party the same thing, is uh, under 67.295, it says the mayor, the city attorney, and every department head shall keep or cause to be kept one of these calendars. Uh, first, I'll ask um, Mr. Heckel. Would you consider that um, Mr. Ellsburn would fall within that um, description? And if if it's it, I know it was. I don't think he spoke to that just now, but it was in the written um, opposition. Uh, so I, I I assume that your position is that maybe he's not. A department head, uh, but if he's not, I wonder why you would. What on what basis would you categorize him as not a department head? Sure, thank you, uh, Chair Schmidt. Uh, no, uh, Mr. Ellsburn is not subject to the quote unquote Prop G requirements of Admin Code sixty seven point two nine dash five. We've been advised as such by the City Attorney's Office. The Language of the provision is quite clear that it applies to the citywide elected officials, the mayor, the um, supervisors, and the, all the various department heads. Uh, the department head of the mayor's office is the mayor. It is not the chief of staff. Um, she is in charge of the department. Um, and therefore, he is not a department head and he's not subject to the calendar requirement. Um, I mean, he does have a calendar, but it doesn't have all the sort of He's not required to have all the bells and whistles that the um, other Prop G officials do, and therefore his calendar is a, is a record in the sense of any other record that we keep in our possession and subject to the sort of normal uh, process and rules for, for those kinds of records. 
Got it. Thank you. And uh, Mr. Petrellis, uh, it it seems that your contention is that we should be treating this as a more expedited type of procedure based on 67.295 and the mention in that of department head. Um, do you claim that Mr. Ellsburn is a department head? Yes, I do. And I would like to see um, any materials that Mr. Heckel has just referenced from the city attorney regarding whether the chief of staff is a department head. Um, let's see um, that documentation from the city attorney um, is what I'd say to Mr. Heckel. And also, um, since this is not my first request for Mr. Ellsburn's calendar, and also regardless of um, uh, my previous and current request, I think that there should be an understanding with Mr. Ellsburn to keep a calendar that could be released within um, a few weeks, let's say, two to three weeks, not two to three months as they took in this instance. Do you um, have any uh, sort of references for us as to sort of a legal definitions, for example, anything that is of, of some value in determining who would qualify as department head? Because I, I, I do see this as not 100% clear one way or another. Where whether Mr. Ellsburn would be a department head, the phrasing of the statute doesn't help. <laughs> but do you have anything that I could look to that causes you to think that he would qualify as a department head? Um, no. However, if it is easy enough um, for Cheryl or Victor to look through um, previous complaints I have filed um, regarding Mr. Ellsburn calendar, I believe the um, uh, documentation you're looking for will be found in uh, the materials from those previous complaints. Thank you. No more questions. Could I speak to that or? Uh, briefly, go ahead. So I think what Mr. Petralis is referencing, there is some background on this issue. Actually, Mr. Petralis himself raised this issue a number of years ago with uh, during the Mayor Lee administration, I think with respect to Mayor Lee's chief of staff, Steve Kava, and the matter went to the, the task force. There was a, a question of whether the chief of staff was subject to the Prop G requirements. The matter, I think, was I believe was referred to the Ethics Commission. There is there's a memo that or a letter uh, from the city attorney's office from that uh, proceeding that was uh, submitted, um, taking the position that the chief of staff was not subject to the property requirements and the ethics commission declined to find that uh, the chief of staff is subject to the property requirements. So we could we could put that material in the file. I believe that letter from the city attorney's office that sets forth their analysis is public um, and therefore not privileged. I would, uh, assuming this is going to have a hearing before the task force, I would hope that that could make its way into the, the 
the record because I, 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 it may not be that other members consider it significant, but it does seem like that's helpful here. Yeah, I'm happy to submit that to the clerk. Um, I'll just throw in because I did try to do some preliminary research on this question. And um, you might also want to throw in the job description, um, which I think is mayoral staff 12 classification. Um, but you may have even a more specific job description, but I was, you know, not only trying to look up, okay, how are, what are, what is the role of chiefs of staff of mayors, which can be a little bit different from city to city. But then I tried to look up this particular job description and I think that's might have might be what was used, but I'm not 100% sure, but I think that would help answer that question as well. <laughs> yeah, thank you member Stein that does seem, does seem uh, relevant to the, the analysis. All right, um, I don't think we have any other questions. Let's uh, figure out what we should do with this. Should we advance it? I guess we have to advance it. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think there's two questions. One, um, you know, is this position something that's covered by the Prop G calendar? Just from my research, I'm I, I don't I'm leaning that it's not, but I think it has to go to the full task force. And then, it, if even if it's not, is there a timeliness violation here just on the basis of it being a regular request? So. I would definitely say, um, you know, public records under a jurisdiction that we're forwarding to the task force for their consideration. I'll second that. One moment, please. Forwarding to the task force. Um, moved by Member Stein. Correct. Seconded by Chair Schmidt. Public comment. Uh, there's no members of the public in the room. If there's anybody online who would like to make public comment, you can raise your hand at this time. I do not see any hands raised. All right, let's let's uh, hold the vote. Chair Schmidt. Aye. Chair Schmidt, aye. Member Stein. Aye. Member Stein, aye. Member Sugarman, absent. The motion passes. Okay. Uh, next. Next up, looks like we got one more case. Next item, item is item nine, file number 23096. Complaint filed by Paul Neha. Mr. Neha, I apologize for misspelling your name in the agenda. Complaint filed by Paul Neha against the San Francisco Municipal Transportation Agency for allegedly violating Administrative Code, Sunshine Ordinance, sections 67.21 sub K as in kangaroo, by failing to provide records that may fall under the scope of attorney-client privilege in a timely and or complete manner. Uh, you can make everyone a presenter that's on the list. Okay. 
And when everyone's ready, we're we're ready to hear from Mr. Neha when the timer it, it can be started. Mr. Last, when the presenter also. I'm ready. Um, whenever the timer is ready. One moment, please. Unmuting. Oh, oh yeah, I, I need, need to refresh. That's my problem. Mr. Neha, are you ready to begin? I am. Your three minutes begins now. Thank you very much. Uh, good evening, everybody, members of the committee. Uh, the case that we will, you will hear today is uh, basically regarding one specific email that was that came from an SFMT employee, and this was in response to a Sunshine request that I uh, submitted. And uh, those uh, requests were similar in nature, but they were submitted against uh, um, several uh, SFMT employees. And uh, Shanna Dines uh, sends that email to an undisclosed recipient, CCs, um, close to a dozen uh, other uh, people on that email. And um, in that email, she attempts to basically say, just wanted, I just quote from that email, I just want to make sure we are all coordinated and consistent in our responses, which is questionable by itself. Um, the each person that received the sunshine request is responsible for coming up with those responses and they are not they don't have to coordinate anything they don't have to be consistent because each person that receives the request is responsible for their portion of that but anyways then half of that email is um edited uh, blacked out and it ends with and of course there are some items uh where there are simply no records responsive so um that looks to me like uh, an attempt to hide some important information, and that's why I submitted the Sunshine request, to which the response was that this is covered by attorney-client privilege, and my argument in front of you is that no email that comes from uh, an SFMT employee regarding a Sunshine request, just because it happens to be sent to a city attorney, uh, first of all, um, the recipients should not be uh, blacked out, even if this were uh, covered by attorney-client's privilege, which is not. Um, and um, just because they're uh, just because they're um, including a city attorney on the list of recipients, uh, it doesn't make this uh, covered by attorney-client privilege, uh, and it also doesn't make it um, obviously doesn't make it an attorney work. Again, the email is from a SFMT employee to at least ten other recipients and some undisclosed recipients. So 30 seconds. Um, I would like you to look into this and I hope uh, it, it happened in the past. Uh, the SFMTA has been misusing the attorney-client privilege to in order to hide the information from uh, disclosure of public documents. And uh, this is one of those cases again in front. Of you. Thank you very much. All right, thank, thank you. Uh, now we can hear from the SFMTA. Hi, this is Shana Dines on behalf of SFMTA. Um, Hold one moment, please. Sure. Your three minutes begins now. Okay, um, we're not trying to hide anything. We were advised by our city attorney that this was privileged and we were not um, uh, authorized to disclose it. So it, it's not any 
kind of nefarious scheme, but it was a communication between us and our attorneys seeking advice on a legal matter. And again, our city attorney advised us that this was consistent with the evidence code and administrative code um, provisions that we cited in our response uh, that it was uh, protected from disclosure for those reasons. So this was going on the advice of our city attorney. Thank you. Member Stein, any questions? Um, I just have a question for the respondent. Was, um, was the attorney for your department a primary recipient on the, these emails? Or were they just CC'd? They're the primary recipient. Okay, that was my only question. Okay, um, uh, responded is your claim that you assert the attorney client privilege and, and the work product privilege for each of the names that are redacted here? Uh, yes, it's only one name that's redacted, and then it's some content of the email as well. So, so we have one name and we have content. All right. To, to um, the petitioner, Mr. Neha, is, is your, uh, is your complaint here about more than that one name? Are there other names that you haven't been provided that have been deleted out? I cannot see how many names have been uh, uh, redacted. Um, it's a pretty long line, so it seems like it could have been uh, longer. It's either a very long uh, first and last name of the recipient, or it could have been more than one. Okay. Uh, of course, I can't tell. So, so it sounds to me, and I don't think it should be a problem to, to ask this, of uh, the respondent, you just said it. It's one one uh, recipient. So, so even though it looks like it could be a lengthy entry that contains several names, you're you're telling us that there's only one that's deleted. There is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Okay, thank you for that clarification. Uh, and Mr. Nihad, is there, are, are you also claiming that you are entitled to receive an unredacted version of the text of the email that remains redacted? Uh, yes, I would like to know the text of uh, the email that has been redacted and or I would also like to receive the name of the recipient. And uh, in my opinion, if this was a city attorney, uh, it is it shouldn't be covered by the, the name of the attorney should not be covered by the um, uh, by the attorney client privilege. My concern is there may be um, it's information to me that uh, it's only one person that is redacted there. My concern certainly before the hearing that uh, it could have been more than one that was redacted. Uh, Got it. On the okay. 
All right, thank you. Uh, nothing further right now. Okay, I, I don't think we have any other questions on this. And so we might just send this on for a hearing. Uh, it does seem like it's the, the case is pretty clear uh, whether there's a violation here. I think we have documentation that we would need to put this before the whole task force. That helps to know that it's just one identity that's that's in that long line. Uh, Member Stein, any any thoughts? Well, just that we don't have that that response right in this packet, um, and it would be good to have that. Whether the petitioner or respondent wants to submit it, I didn't see the actual response with the uh, redacted information. Or are you saying, I mean, it was released, right? Just with redacted information or it was not released at all? It's I thought I had seen it in the packet. Maybe I was um, <laughs> maybe I'm confusing files here. Uh, is there something that um, should be in the packet that we should be considering? Let's all sort of put our heads together here so that we can send this forward and we'll have that in front of us. The email had been provided in response to a different um, request and it was attached to this public records request, but if that isn't part of the file. This I'm public sure records that. request doesn't appear to be published. When I searched it on next request, I cannot find it. Hi, this is Caroline Sly. I'm the manager for public records for um, SFMCA. And um, we do not publish all of our public records requests within next request. If a person who submits a public records request wants that to be made public, we are happy to do so, and we've done that in the past. This particular um, requester did not ask that this be made public, so it is not been made public. Right, which is which is fine, but it would be nice to have this letter or this response in the packet for the members to view. So maybe the petitioner, if you have a copy of it, you can submit it so that. Uh, if and when this goes forward to the full task force, we can review the actual response. Sure, I have that document and I will be happy to send it over and so we yeah. add it to the we did, Yeah, we, with with documents that, that go to the full task force, I think that would be, it would very much clarify uh, anyone's, anyone's remaining questions at that point in time. Number Stein, anything, anything else? You, do you have a motion for us? Um, I'll, I'll move that these are public records under our jurisdiction and to forward it to the full task force um, to consider uh, whether the documents were properly withheld. Second. I'm sorry, could you repeat it? Whether the documents are were properly withheld. 
In regards to public comment, there's nobody in the room and there's nobody else online with us. And I was the seconder. Thank you, Madam. Moved by Member Stein, seconded by Chair Schmidt. Taking the vote. Chair Schmidt. Aye. Chair Schmidt, aye. Member Stein, aye. Member Stein, aye. Member Sugarman, absent. The matter passes. Uh, before you move on, to, uh, my apologies. Uh, before you move on to the next item, I'd like to give you the code section for the item. Um, section 67.29-7, correspondence and records shall be maintained. The mayor and all department heads shall maintain and preserve in a professional and business-like manner all documents and correspondence, and it goes on to describe it. There we go. Thank you. Thank you. Good call on that one. All right. Okay. Uh, item next item. Item 10. File number 23097. Hearing on the proposed edits to the SOTF complaint procedure to expedite complaint processing per the Sunshine Ordinance requirements. This is for discussion and action. Okay, um, and there are there was no packet, there were no documents here, and um, that means I may have uh, overpromised, but uh, we've been using this to sort of have an opportunity to to discuss. I uh, I do have one thing I want to talk about here, which almost seems to me to, to be, it's kind of a, it's been a roadblock for me on all of this and it's new. And so, uh, I, before I do that, I'll ask member Stein, if, uh, if you object to just sort of talking about the topic in general. Uh, just maybe back and forth the way that we've been doing it before. I don't object. Okay. Uh, Chair Schmidt, um, yeah. just something to note. The full task force is having an administrative type meeting on the 31st. And if you have anything you want to present, this that might be a good meeting to bring up this discussion if you wanted to talk to Chair Yankee about that. Uh, absolutely. And that's one of the thoughts that I have uh, with regards to this, what what I've been looking at is the shall language of, and, and I know Member Stein has been doing this too. This is something that we've talked about many times, the shall language of uh, especially 67.21e. Uh, and I appreciate Member Stein uh, finding yet another part of 6721E today, uh, which talks about who has to attend a hearing, and it does say hearing. 
And so we sort of have a question, what is a hearing, what's not a hearing? And I think that's a valid question. Now, the, the, the concern I have, because with regards to changes that I think we should be making, one of the driving uh, reasons for doing that, I believe, is the the forty five day provision, and the fact that I don't think anyone would dispute that that forty five day provision is never satisfied and it's continually, repeatedly sort of blown out of the water by the amount of time that it takes things to happen here. So um, what I did is I, I've been looking at the law on shall and may, and it actually becomes a little more complicated before it becomes more simple. There is a government code statute that says that shall means mandatory. That seems clear, but courts have actually said that that's not going to be necessarily the law, even though that's a law that was passed by the state, which is very unusual to me as a lawyer. But what I've been looking at is court cases that talk about situations where a statute says that shall uh, that that certain agencies, sub agencies, uh, departments of public agents uh, uh, of public uh, entities that they shall do certain things within a certain time, uh, with by a certain time, uh, with a certain time limit involved, and. I want to say that I found some law that really needs to be considered here uh, because that law, well, I think the law, I don't feel like I've come to my own personal final um, level of satisfaction with the law here because the law becomes very complex, and in fact, some of the cases say that there are countless cases out there talking about the meaning of the word shall in legal terms. That sort of tells you that it's a mess legally. But uh, I want to just say that I've got two Calap third cases from the California Court of Appeal, and there are countless older California Supreme Court cases that all talk about statutes that talk about the shall provision. The usual case says that shall means something is mandatory. What 
at least some of these cases, and I want to spotlight one case in particular, say, in addition, is that if a, a time limit is not met, and it's clear in the statute that the shall means that the time limit is not a recommendation, but it's a requirement that in certain circumstances, the agency will then lose any jurisdiction it would have to make a decision because it did not meet the deadline. Now, that concerns me because that would mean, and I'll cite Ursino v. Superior Court, 39 Calap 3rd 611. Ursino is U-R-S-I-N-O. U-R-S-I-N-O versus yeah. Superior Court? Yes. And what was the citation again? 39 Calap 3rd 611. What year was this case? And I, I <laughs> think it was in the 80s sometime. Um, I, I, let's see, sorry, I don't have a year on it in the page that I have in front of me, but it's probably in the 1980s. Uh, and it, it basically said, it talked about which board was this? the San Francisco Board of Permit Appeals. And it also cites a uh, Supreme Court case that had preceded it, also involving the Board of Permit Appeals. And there is a determination period that the Board of Permit Appeals uh, is required to meet of 40 days. I don't want to get too deep into the weeds here, but the, the, the final decision in this Orsino case by the Court of Appeal was that uh, the, the board, if it made a determination after the 40-day deadline, uh, it would be in excess of that board's jurisdiction and void. And the court goes on to say that the effect of that board's failure to act within that 40-day period is simply a concurrence in the action of the, the underlying action. It so that that board would lose the ability to take any action if it didn't do it within 40 days. So the, the Ursino case, 
which looks like it's perfectly valid law. The case is cited in Orsino, and there's another somewhat similar um, decision, a 1971 decision called King v. Martin, and I, I that's not quite as helpful to me. Uh, but it also talks about, in this case, a 60-day period. The, this concerns me because, one, this is helping me to understand the significance of the term shall in the Sunshine Ordinance and why that word not being met is important. And I am concerned now, additionally, I didn't know I was going to find this, uh, with the jurisdictional, the possible jurisdictional question uh, of not meeting a certain deadline. I have thought about, and I there's a good chance I will raise it, as uh, Victor Young has suggested, to talk about this in some way at the special meeting on the 31st. I'm not quite sure how I would present it. Another thing that I've been, I, I was just looking at this again today, and I thought maybe I'll run it by our, our city attorney, our city attorneys that are, you know, the, the ones assigned to the task force to see what they have to say. Um, I haven't had a huge amount of success getting answers out of them within, say, the first three months after I asked them questions. But it may be something to run by them to see if uh, they could give me an opinion on whether whether the task force comes under this uh, this aspect of California law and if if it's possible that when we fail to meet the 45 day limit um, we lose jurisdiction and anything that we do in a case of order or determination is legally void now I know that every one of us who is on this task force we look at that 45 day provision and i'm i'm sure everyone here in the room it's like how could anyone do that that seems impossible to do what the law says we're supposed to be doing i agree i agree the way that we process these cases is very very different from the way this provision is worded uh, but I think that my viewing of this is that it feels to me like whoever created the process that we follow now, it, I'm not quite sure if they were actually giving the proper amount of concern to the shall provisions that are contained at various points in the the sunshine ordinance. So that that's pretty much what I wanted to uh, introduce, uh, because it feels to me like this is something that definitely would 
impact uh, any kind of changes that we talk about making to the complaint procedures. And it would also uh, be part of the way I would argue in favor of any um, changes that we may be suggesting as things come out of uh, this committee. I was hoping Member Sugarman would be here also because uh, he it would be good to get him involved in thinking about you know the various issues, but hopefully he'll be in the next committee hearing. I'm going to stop there. I think that's everything I wanted to say on item 10 for today, and I'll give uh, Member Stein and anyone else an opportunity. Yeah, I just I have a question, which is, is there anything in that Ursino case that talks about the nature of um, permit appeals as part of its rationale uh, in interpreting the deadlines that are given? Oh, absolutely. And it may be that uh, our situation is distinguishable from that that situation. I'm not saying that I think there's this clearly controls our situation. Um, but I want to know what it is that makes us different. And I'm not quite seeing it yet. And another part of what's concerning me is these these cases that talk about shall they sometimes will actually come to the conclusion that eh, maybe shall doesn't mean what we think it means in most cases. Maybe it means a little less. But then they'll look at the other language that accompanies the word shall in a statute. In, in our statute, 67.21e, uh, the, the way it's worded it says first that the task force shall inform the petitioner as soon as possible and within two days after its next meeting, uh, after it gets a complaint. And so that's the way the law is envisioning that business would be done here. I'm not saying that that's anything that can practically be done. I'm just saying that that's what the voters voted on when they made their decisions on this. And then it says, but in no case later than 45 days. And that to me is the type of additional language that courts would look at when they'd say, yeah, shall means shall. And so that's the kind of language that I think is concerning to me as to whether we're actually possibly in this kind of zone where we don't know we 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 may technically under the law at least even though we think we're fine with everything we're doing but legally at least if someone were to challenge what we're doing with a writ of mandamus for example um they could you know they would use this these cases and say you don't give me my 45 day answer um, or, or, you know, a, a department who 
gets a determination against them, say a year down the road, they might say, you didn't do it in 45 days, so you had no jurisdiction. Anything you say now is void. That's the practical effect, I think, of what what this is. Now, yeah, I, I need to look, Member Stein, at can I see any way to make distinctions here uh, between where we are and the Board of Permanent Appeals? Because there clearly are factual distinctions between what they do and what we do here. However, I haven't seen anything yet in my mind that gives me that kind of comfort that, no, we don't have that same issue as they had. And in that, and then some of these other cases that I still need to, I need to go both back in time to look at the older cases and then go to the, the most recent 40 years to see what's happened in the law. Christine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is uh, very law nerdy kind of stuff. The meaning of the word shall. Yes. Okay. I don't think I have anything else to bring up other than I, I think I might try to introduce this at the January 31st meeting. Um, I'm going to assign myself to get a better sense of the law here. Uh, and I'm going to probably be asking our city attorneys to, to tell me, one, what does shall mean? What's the effect of shall? And then does it also mean these other consequences? And it may be that I'm gonna start to mention this when we make rulings in our cases because I might uh, come to the conclusion myself personally that, no, we don't have jurisdiction to do this because we failed to satisfy what the ordinance requires. Okay. All right. Um, I think that's all we have on that one. So we can move to the next item. Just state there's no members of the public in the room or online and no action is taken on this matter at this time. Item 11, announcements, comments, questions, and future agenda items by members of the complaint committee. Nothing else for me. I will maybe just add um, at this point something Victor said earlier that um, I think there has been interest expressed by the um, compliance and amendments committee in thinking about um, our handling of complaints and the complaint process and whether we need some uh, revision of that. And uh, Chair Yankee did reach out to me to say, is this, is this being looked at in complaints? And all I said is, yes, it is. <laughs> uh, that we've had some discussions about it. We don't have any proposal as of now. Um, and so I just wanted to mention that as an announcement. I thought about forwarding it to you, but then I didn't want to accidentally hold a meeting of like some members, you know, outside of the public. So I'm just bringing that up that this might be a good time to really, um, you know, put something forward or try to process something here so that we can put something forward. Cause I think there's interest in other committees in, in looking at this too. Okay. Okay. Um, and other than this, this sort of, I'll call it 
my latest curveball here. Um, I think that what we would want to do in that regard is to pretty much follow the conversation that we've had over the course of several meetings and come up with a suggested alternative process. Um, yeah, thank you. All right, I, I don't think we have anything else on that. So next item. Item 12 is adjournment. Okay, move to adjourn. Do have to second that? <laughs> Motion moved by Chair Schmidt. Uh, I don't seconded. need to vote on it. Oh. <laughs> we don't even need to hit a second. Uh, you just announced the meeting is adjourned. Meeting is adjourned at 7.58 p.m. Stop the report. Victor always knows. Yeah. <laughs> That's the one, the one time.